morning. It's a good morning. So uh, yeah, it's been a great week too, weather-wise. And uh, along with the weather comes the pollen and other things. Um, so I know some of you may be struggling with that too. Um, got a little bit of that going on, allergies. So uh, I also wanted to thank everybody for coming out uh, yesterday who was able to, um, just to, to be here and uh, work on the grounds. I'm always amazed at uh, our people um, coming from uh, Texas and then coming to you know, a place like this, a small community, a church, and uh, I'm just always amazed by um, how much people are willing to um, pitch in and be a part of helping out. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much for that. And um, so if you're with us today and you're online, welcome. Uh, if you're here and you're in person, then I'm glad that I get to see your faces today. Uh, and we'll be in our series, Enduring Faith, and it's in First Timothy, uh, like Kristen mentioned. And so go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to First Timothy, if you're not already there. We'll be talking about prayer. And uh, prayer can be uh, a difficult thing, right? It can be scary for some of us. It can be uncertain for others. Sometimes we say, when asked, you know, do you pray? We say, well, of course we pray. What do you pray for? And we could list a few things off probably. Um, but at the end of the day, I know many of us struggle with that, right? And I do at times too. And I go, God, I need your help to be focused, to spend the time with you and not allow um, the, the things of the world to creep in. So we'll talk about that focused prayer time that we have. You might call it a quiet time where you uh, read a passage for the day like we do with our normal quiet times. And maybe you go over a series of things that you're praying for on a regular basis. Um, I hope you're praying for our church family, um, specific needs that, that the church has, which we send out every single week. Um, that's one way to do that. And uh, so we'll talk about that. And then just this kind of continual mindset that we can be in of prayer. And so when Paul's talking to Timothy about prayer, it's this um, essential element of not just the pastor's life, um, but of the church family's life as a whole. You remember, Paul is talking to Timothy, but he's also talking to the whole church. So this was the interesting thing about letters that were written to individuals in the church. Um, They were also um, letters that would have been read to the whole assembly. So as Timothy is hearing this, um, many times when these letters were written, read for the first time, they were written in front of the whole congregation. So Timothy's receiving this as a personal letter, but the whole church is receiving this as instruction. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we're going to look at prayer. And so one of the things I wanted to show you, and I'll do this periodically, um, is just take a look at uh, some uh, ancient landmarks to kind of help us understand the culture too. Uh, and don't forget, phrase to remember, simple or not. Sometimes we make prayer a little bit too complicated. And sometimes there's things we forget too, so let's meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, And so if you look at the culture of Ephesus, you can turn it to the next slide, uh, you see that um, they were invested in a lot of different things. And so one of those things was education, was knowledge. And so um, not every town, not every city uh, had a library. And this is one of the things that marked Ephesus. So if you go back and you look at culture in the time of Ephesus, there were a number of things going on. Um, things good, things bad. Knowledge is not bad, by the way. And so they had this library that was dedicated to this guy named Celsus. Um, if you go to the ruins, um, they actually rebuilt it in the 1970s. Um, so it was just a pile of rubble, and, and archaeologists picked all of it up, and they kind of rebuilt this uh, front face of it. So if you go to Turkey, then you can actually see that. Uh, you can go to Turkey, and you can see that there uh, today. 
And so while the people were dedicated to a lot of things, they were very religious, um, they were very knowledgeable, um, they would go to the library because, you know, they didn't have phones, so they couldn't just Google everything. Uh, they would go to the library, and um, they say, what do I want to learn? What do I want to know? And it was likely that there was a book there that they could learn whatever they wanted to know about. So people, they, uh, at that time, they bolstered themselves up on knowledge and what they could gain and what they could understand. And in a lot of ways, that made them feel better or superior to others. Uh, and so when it came to church or things of religion, uh, many of the people in the culture would say, no, thank you, I have my knowledge, and that's all I need. Um, but today, we're talking about prayer, and this is an element that I think is it's difficult for some of us, um, because we, when we think about it, um, we go, well, God, I, I mean, I know you're going to take care of everything anyway, so why do I need to pray? Well, we'll see today in the text that God has this desire for us to know him deeply and personally, and this is one of the ways that we do this. So, when I was thinking about what do people really pray about, um, if you were to ask yourself somebody that question, uh, you might get a varied responses. And so, I pulled up a little graph from Lifeway um, Christian Ministries, uh, so hopefully you can see that there. But this is what people typically pray for, pray for when they are asked, um, and they were allowed to give more than one response. So this is not like 100%, you know, divided up. This is, um, do you pray for this? And so, at the very top, 82%. Do you, you pray for family and friends? Well, most of us, if we were asked that question, we would say, well, yeah, of course I pray for my family and I pray for my friends of the people who do pray. Second one is um, my own problems and difficulties. Uh, when something happens, right, or something difficult is going to happen, we typically, we, we pray for those things, right, or something bad happens, we go, God, we need your help, right? So, um, yeah, that's 74% of people, I pray for those things. Uh, good things that have recently occurred. So the good things happen. Do we thank God for those? Yeah, we, uh, I would hope we do. Um, a lot of times we'll do that, you know, at the dinner table. God, thank you for the sunshine. He keeps giving us that sunshine, right? Now, some of us got some heavy rain uh, yesterday. Uh, some of us didn't. I was looking for it here in Elba, and I was like, where did it go? I was talking with Travis uh, in, in the back before service, and he's like, did you guys get like heavy, heavy, heavy rain? I said, I, we barely saw anything. So uh, maybe you got some, maybe you didn't. But we thank God for those things, right? And um, that's a good thing, right? Well, what about God's greatness? We'll skip down a few. Because we all pray, natural disasters, those things happen. 38%, we pray for those. Uh, God's greatness, 37%. Do we say, you know, God, thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being great. Um, it's one of the things we, um, we always do when we get in the car and we're going to school. Um, I've done it so many times, Alana will just she'll, <laughs> kind of rattle it out of her mouth and say, why don't you pray this morning? He said, God, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for being great. And so that's something we want to remind our kids about, too. So pray for God's greatness. But future prosperity. God, I want to be successful in the future. Many of us will pray um, for that. It would keep us from many difficulties, illness, whatever it might be. Um, What about people of other faiths or people of no faith? People who are asked, who actually said they prayed regularly, 20% of people said they prayed for people of other faiths. Uh, We should be doing that as well. What about governmental leaders? Ooh, it drops even more, doesn't it? Now, if we were being honest, we might go, I don't even like those people, so why would I pray for them? Well, the text today is going to tell us this is one of, the, one of the most important things that we actually should pray for. And so, unfortunately, of people who pray, of believers who pray, say they pray, 12% said they prayed for governmental leaders. Um, you keep going down, you pray for celebrities or uh, basically famous people, went down to 5%. Um, you pray for none of these. 2% said, yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, I'm a believer, but I don't pray for anything. Um, so I don't know where you fall on that little scale, um, but it's clear that uh, people who say that they believe do pray. And probably most of us in the room 
We pray about something. But what should we be praying about? Well, that's the first fill in the blank, the what. Um, So there's a lot of fill in the blank, so don't worry. Um, We'll get through these relatively quickly, I believe. Um, The what of prayer. And this is found in verse 1. And and so I've kind of broken these up in a little bit different order as well. So when we look at these, um, we have to understand that uh, when the Bible was formulated, put together, um, a number of years later, the demarcations or the verse numbers were added. And so when we look at this text and try to understand it in pieces, I broke it down just a little bit more for us. Um, So this first section is where a lot of the meat is. So this is 1A. It says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made. What's the first thing that he mentions here? Supplications or entreaties, depending on what your uh, Bible translation says. It's the diasisa in the Greek, and it means seeking, asking, entreating to God, usually for someone else. Um, Origen, who's a church father, uh, said this on his work on prayer about this passage. Supplication is a prayer offered with a special request for something a person lacks. So what should we be praying about? Well, the needs of others. Um, number one, we, we probably think about those from time to time, although typically like our needs and our difficulties come to our mind first. So we go, God, could you help us um, with that? Um, then we pray for uh, others. And so um, I know I've talked with people before, and I just, I just don't know what to pray for. <laughs> you know, what am I supposed to pray for? Um, and that's a legitimate question. But one of the things we do here at the church is we meet on Wednesday nights, and we go over all those things. I know you guys are sending things to me, and so I'm uh, appreciative of that during the week. So here's a text, here's an email, here's something that's said in person. And we try to put that in one place too so that we can actually, uh, maybe if you just do it, even just do it once a week, um, take that list and just go, God, I want to come before you and, and just humbly ask for some of these things. There's needs, there's pains, there's difficulties, and there's praises too. So um, we know here is that this diasis uh, um, means this seeking or this asking of God. So when we come to God, and Paul, when he's writing to Timothy in the church, he goes, we've we got to be praying for each other, right? We've got to be going before the Lord for each other. Uh, and then here's this word for prayers. And we see that and we go, oh, well, that's just prayers. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, this is actually a specific word um, in the Greek, the prosuka, that means the person and location of prayer. Um, so <clears throat> when we read this and we see prayer, we go, okay, yeah, I mean, I am supposed to pray, but, but what does it mean when, and Paul was writing this to a church that, um, understood this. There were a lot of locations for certain things, to worship things, and we talked about the Temple of Artemis. So if you, uh, uh, ladies, if you want to get that secret knowledge, you look back at the culture, they say, I'm going to go there so I can get knowledge um, that's going to be something that nobody else can know. My husband doesn't know it, and so that's what they were told. Go here if you want to get this. And so they have a variety of other religious institutions set up and the library. So you go there, you want to get knowledge. I'm going to go there. But where do we go when we want to commune with God? We want to talk with Him. For many of us, if I asked that question, we'd probably say, <laughs> so difficult to even find that time during the day, let alone a, a separate space, a location for that. Well, as I was thinking about that's just you know, special places that we go. I was thinking about the movie War Room. You remember that? Um, that was a great, a solid movie. So it was about, uh, uh, when you first started watching it, you're like, wow, that's kind of strange. You have a prayer closet. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you have one of those or maybe a specific place that you go, but um, it's important we read this when Paul's, again, writing to the church and to Timothy. He goes, Timothy, you need to be about this prayer. You need to be about not only location, but honoring the one who you're actually talking to. Now, sometimes I, I think we just like, we get going in our minds and we're like, yeah, God, if you can help us with that, that, that. And we don't even think about who we're talking to either. It's like, you know, the God of the universe, he's opened his ear to us, which by the way, he always leaves open to us. Um, 
when, uh, when we put the girls to bed, uh, we're always doing a Bible story. We're talking about God, and um, Alana asks a lot of questions. And um, so he asked a question last night, and um, she had said, does God always hear me? And I said, he always hears you. He always hears you. And, uh, and then we had this interesting interchange about the, the thoughts of our mind also. Well, when I say something, I know he hears me, but when I say something in my mind, does he hear me too? I said, he hears you too then. So that's the good news, right? We talk to a God who understands us, who hears us no matter where we're at, and he understands us, even if we don't even know how to express it with our own mouth. So I'd encourage you to find that place because in this word, there's this location and this um, holiness of the God that we talk to. I was thinking of other kind of just cool places um, that I'd like to be. Um, Greg and Lori have uh, a place on their property, this little stream. I don't know if you've been out there. Um, and Greg and I have talked about it a lot because he's like, this is a really cool place to be. And like, you can have your quiet time. And I'm like, man, if I could go there every day, like that's where I would go. Um, but, I, but when I get up, I have that, that space, that quiet space where there's nothing else going on. Um, where I can just go, I'm talking to the God of the universe, and that's significant, okay? Um, so find a place. I don't know, maybe you don't have one. Uh, maybe it's just like there's, no other, like there's nowhere for me to go. Shut the door of the bathroom, right? Be like, <laughs> I'm having my time with the Lord, okay? Um, so find a place where to go. And this word's actually used in a couple of places for prayer in the text. Um, in Luke six twelve, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray all night. He continued to pray to God. Um, and so my, my question for you, too, is, again, it's just, do you have a location? Do you have a place you go? Everybody was always going, like, especially the disciples, when Jesus would go off to pray to the Father, uh, they would go, like, where did he go? Like, when we've been looking for him, and then he comes back, and you, many, many, many of those interchanges, when he comes back, they're like, Jesus, like, you've got, you got to stop going off like this. Like, like, you know, we were worried about you, and where was he? He was on the mountain. He was praying to God the Father. And so uh, maybe that's dramatic. Maybe you don't have any mountains you can go to. Um, but find a place because what are we supposed to be in? Well, this mode of prayer in Romans 12, 12, same, ver- same word. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Well, man, how, how do I do that? Um, uh, I had an um, assistant at the church that we came from, and she gave me this plaque, and it had this verse on it, Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Um, Man, do we need that. Sometimes we just forget it. You know, we leave our, like, our space, our location of prayer that we normally have each day that's set aside where there's nothing else that's going on, nothing else bothering us. And, and then we think as we leave, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be constant in this prayer as well. And so we're supposed to be going in this mode. And it's kind of like what Alana and I were talking about last night, uh, that um, does God hear me even in my mind? Now, we may not break out into spontaneous prayer when we're somewhere else or we're doing something else, but we can always be in this mode, constant prayer. So, here's the next word, intercessions or petitions. I don't know what it'll say in your translation, but it's the entiuxis in the Greek, and it's an uh, interview or a conversation um, or a meeting. And, um, we, and we do that, again, we do that at the church here on Wednesday nights. We have a prayer meeting, a Bible study prayer meeting, and uh, we, we, we go before the Father together in prayer. And so that's a good thing as well, right? We come to this place, we worship, and we learn, and we pray. And so in 1 Timothy 4, 5, the same word is used, uh, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer, these intercessions. So there's something special going on when we have these intercessions before God. We get together and we go, God, we are praying for one purpose, um, that you would move, that you would do something, whatever that might be. And there's the word for thanksgivings. It's the word Eucharista. Um, you may have heard that before. Um, it's used in um, some other faith settings for the Lord's Supper. 
We don't call it that. We just call it the Lord's Supper. Um, but it's this word used for thanksgiving. And it's this uh, implied meaning um, that whenever we come together, whatever we are doing, we are offering thanks to the Lord. Now, for a lot of you, I know that may be like, okay, before we pray, like oh, before we eat, we're going we're gonna to pray. Everybody hold hands. Um, and so you know, we, we usually do that as a family before meals. And um, uh, Hannah started doing this thing where she wants to include the stuffed animal in it. So now we have to, uh, stuffed animals there. And so she's like, take the bear's hand. <laughs> so it's like, take the bear's hand. And she's holding one and she's just smiling. She's just loving it. Like, include the bear in the prayer, right? So you know, we hold hands and we, we give thanks. So many times people will ask, well, why do we pray before meals? Or why do we pray before that? Well, God says, whatever we're doing here, we need to be doing it in thanksgiving, right? And so sometimes we think too, well, I'm praying, then I'm going to give a good prayer. Well, everybody knows when that happens, right? The food's hot, too, on the table. And we should always remember, she would always be giving thanks to God. And then someone goes, well, God, here, I've got this list, okay? And Because um, there's a time and a place for everything. I got this, I want to pray for, you know, grandma, and I want to pray, oh, this person, you know, hurt their foot, and, and I want to pray for this, and yeah, that's good, that's good, <laughs> it's getting cold, all right? So, but what should we be doing always, right? We should always be giving thanks. And so it's okay to say, God, thank you for a beautiful day. And David did that this morning, um, and so it's focus on those things that we can regularly give thanks for. Paul says to the church, don't stop doing that, all right? We find, uh, it's also in Colossians 4, 2. This word for thanksgiving continues steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So you don't have to wait until Thanksgiving to be thankful, right? We can do that every single day, no matter what's going on. So that's the what. What about the who? What the who of prayer? Well, that's the next fill in the blank. Who are we supposed to be praying for? Uh, well, it tells us here, in the second part of verse 1, for all people. That's the word um, in the Greek, the anthropos. Um, and then when we see that, yeah, we're supposed to be praying for all people. Yeah, I get that. But but are we, are, are we in the same way? Are we kind of specifically going, I really need to pray for even people we don't know. You know, I think about um, yesterday. Uh, we had a lot going on. We had the work day, um, and we were getting cleaned up from that. Um, and then uh, I spent a little bit of time with my family, and uh, there was a call that came over from my radio for a car accident. So I went to that, and I come back, and Christy and I were having this conversation. She told me about a shooting that had happened in Buffalo. And I was like, you know, every time I hear about things like that, you know, a lot of times they're further away, but, you know, it hits close to home for me. And I thought, not Buffalo now, right? Those kind of things don't happen close to us, but yet they do. And in that moment, I go, man, I, I need to pray for those people. I need to think about those people. We disconnect ourselves, don't, don't we? Like, we think about praying for all people, and then we're like, nah, somebody else will do it, right? Instead of going, God's people, right? They need prayer, and we do. So we're going to be praying for all human beings. That's that word in the Greek, the anthropos, all people everywhere. And then uh, verse 2, it says, for kings and all who are all in high positions. Well, wait a second. 12% of people said they were praying for people in government or in leadership. Um, and that's not good, right? I mean, we have to be different. A lot of times, you know, we'll criticize. We'll be like, you know, I could do a better job, maybe. But are we praying for those people who are leading, who have, you know, all this, I mean, crushing weight? Can you imagine... I mean, leading in any form of government. It's constant criticism, right? And it's not necessarily encouragement or uplifting most of the time for most people. Uh, and when the buck stops with you, that's pretty typical, right? But the question is, are we praying? So maybe instead of being a part of the criticism, like, because, I mean, what was going on in the culture in Ephesus? 
Like, it was not a good system for believers. And things would just get worse. Paul actually writes 1 Timothy before there's this gigantic fire in Rome. So in 63 AD, right, he finishes it, he sends it to the church. In 64 AD, there's this giant fire in Rome. And what does the emperor do? He goes, man, this was terrible, this was awful. And he doesn't like Christians. And so you know what he says? Christians are to blame. You know what he starts doing? He starts killing Christians. He starts imprisoning them. He starts using them in his garden to light his garden. And, and, and that's how things are going. So can you imagine being in the setting? Because like we think, like, don't like who's leading. <laughs> You're not going to convince me otherwise. Not trying to. Just trying to help you understand. If Paul's writing to a church that was undergoing extreme persecution, and all the churches were, and he's going, pray for your government. Pray for your leadership. And because they need it, even in oppressive regimes, they need it. Man, they need the Lord. So maybe spend a little more time praying for him, less time criticizing. I think that'd go a long way. Um, so Tertullian said this about, his church father said this about verse 2. Um, if you think that we have no interest in the emperor's welfare, look to our literature and read the word of God. So who are we supposed to pray for? Kings and all who are in high positions. And maybe that's difficult. I'm not saying it won't be. But we got the what? We got the who. Who are we supposed to pray for? All people everywhere. We're supposed to pray for our, our leaders. Um, and here's the why for prayer. So that's the third fill in the blank, the why. The why. And this is the second part of verse 2. It says that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified <clears throat> in every way. And I, so I was reading this verse this week, and I actually had a good conversation with uh, Rosemary and Irwin. Got the opportunity to go over their house and visit. And so thanks for letting me do that, by the way, again. Um, I love when I get to do that, just go over to your home or have you guys over here to ours or meet at the church. Um, and I was asking, hey, what can I pray for you guys for? And they're always um, super consistent, very little um, complaints, if any, I hear from them. And um, it's just refreshing. And uh, Rosemary said that we can continue to live this quiet, peaceful life. Um, and so as I was thinking about that, I was like, that's exactly what we're talking about this week. And so and we had a good conversation before we prayed. But, but here's the focus. So we got the what, we got the who, and we got the why. Like, why do we pray that we might lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way? Now, this doesn't mean that we don't stand up to things that are wrong, right? That we don't voice an opinion over things like that. But we're not the kind of people that are constantly creating strife and division um, and, and, and interjecting ourselves into a situation, in, like on social media in particular, and uh, going like, you know, here's my opinion on this or here's my thoughts. But what are we supposed to be doing, right? And you remember what the setting was for them. It was pretty oppressive, right? When people were getting killed, they were getting taken away. And so this would have been advice that they needed to take to heart. That What do we need to do? We need to do these things. We need to pray for all people, pray for leadership. Why? that we might lead peaceful and quiet lives, life, godly and dignified in every way. And so what is this to God? Well, he says, this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. So, I mean, who are we trying to please in all of this? When we think about prayer, like, why, why do we do that? Do we, just, do we just do prayer because we think it's what we're supposed to do, right? When, uh, you know, teenagers, kids, like when, when your parents ask you, like, hey, did you do your quiet time? <laughs> did you pray? yeah because I have to, right? Well, is it this thing that we want to do? Is it this thing that gives us um, joy? And for more than that, when we think about the what, the who, the why, like, like why 
do we do it? Because the truth is, if we're not doing it because of this, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Then why do we do it? I mean, why do we do anything? Like, maybe you have some hobbies, maybe you have some things you enjoy doing. Um, why do you do them, right? Because it might be, you know, pleasing, enjoyable, right? Um, you might uh, like to golf. Um, if I go golfing with you, I apologize in advance because it won't go well. Um, the balls will normally end up, you know, in the trees uh, or other places they shouldn't be. Um, so a few of you that have experienced that with me. Um, and so why, why do we do these things? Why do we have pastimes? Why do we have hobbies? Um, it's because normally we enjoy them in the same way. Why are we doing prayer? Well, because this is good and it's pleasing to in the sight of God our Savior. So he, he sees us, right? He sees everything. He hears everything. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I want to please God, right? I hope, I hope you do too. Um, and here's the fourth thing, um, the where, the where of prayer. Uh, and so in verse 4 it says, who desires all people to be saved and to come into the knowledge of truth. So I love that um, picture uh, of God reaching out, right? And this is classic of man, isn't it? It's like, uh-huh, <laughs> I'm barely making an effort. Um, and even as believers at times, like, we could do a lot better job of this, right? Of seeking out God, and he's just like, he's just like, he's, he's pleased, and I want to have a conversation with you in prayer. And we go, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And he's, and he's reaching out to us, right? I love that depiction, um, and so when we think about this, the where of prayer, well, well, God's going like, I am always here. Talk to me. Talk to me. Anytime. Um, I always do this with our girls, so which um, if, if you've grown up in a house full of women, um, which I have another one on the way, and what I've realized is that um, there's a lot of feelings, right? There's a lot of emotions, and so, um, and typically I can, um, at times, I can be the one who causes an offense, you can imagine that. And uh, so when I've done something, and now, you know, Alana and Hannah, and so they, they let me know, right? It's like a, mm, it's a pouty face, it's a turning away, it's a walking away, right? But in a lot of ways, don't we do the same thing? Like God's going like, talk to me, talk to me. And I do the same thing with the girls. No, tell me what's going on, tell me. I don't, I don't really feel like it right now, God. But where, where is he always at? He's always right there, he's gone sit down, have a conversation. So the where, well, we know he's everywhere at all times too, right? We're learning a lot of things about God's nature and his character today. So in prayer, he wants us to understand these things. So what does he desire for all people to be saved? Um, for our mission Sunday a couple months ago when uh, Brother Gary uh, Sauer was with us, he, he referenced this verse in Ezekiel 33, 11. Um, if you don't believe this verse, we'll look at this. It says, Say to them as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? So God is constantly going. He doesn't, he doesn't just go, okay, you know, all right, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to be a part of you. No, he's constantly going, I'm here. And he desires for all people to have that relationship with him. Can you imagine that? A God who gives us free will, he allows us to choose to follow him, and then he goes, if you don't, that's your choice, but I have this desire. Isn't that amazing? Like a God who, he, he made this atonement for all sin through Jesus that everybody in the entire world who's ever lived could put their faith and trust in Jesus and be saved. Like that's an amazing power. Some will choose not to, but here what it says here is he goes, I, I desire to have this kind of relationship, this relationship of connection, of prayer. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> it says here, 
Well, we'll just go to the last one. So we got the what, the who, the why, the where. What else do we need to be thinking about? Well, in verse 5, read that before we go to the next one. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Um, now, what do we focus on? What do we rely on? We're, well, in this where of prayer, we have this direct connection. Right? We've been talking about it um, the last several weeks. And that, what did God do? He pulled down that veil. He tore it in half. And so when we read this, we think about, yeah, we know what the what is, the who, the why. Why do we pray? But the where, how, how do we even accomplish this, this, uh, this connection with God? Well, we didn't do anything, did we? And God opened up this access point to us. That we didn't have to go to a priest. I mean, can you imagine, um, and I don't know what backgrounds we have in the room, maybe have some Catholic background in the room. Can you imagine that the only way to connect to God is to, is to go to the church building? Um, and, and, and by the way, and if, you, if you make any mistakes, if you stand during the week, because some people said they were praying for those things too, right? The mistakes they made, God, you know, we know you forgive us always anyway. And you go into, the, into a church building and then you go into a confessional and you go, God, I need, like, I, I need help. And you talk to a priest and you go, can you please forgive me? Would you allow God to forgive me of these things? But what do we have? We have this ability through, what does it say in verse 5? For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So we have this direct connection. We don't have to go, like, I, I wonder if God's going to be there when I pick up the phone, right? Or I wonder, you know, uh, is the priest going to be having a good day? Like, when I go and talk to him, is he going to absolve me? Well, what's the good news? That Jesus died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And so instead of, like what Kristen said, instead of going, like, you know, I, need, I need some encouragement, right? I need to be connected with God today. Instead of going, I'm not worth it, right? I'm not worthy, right? God said, you are worthy because you put your faith and trust in him. And we, because uh, we make mistakes and then we go, I'm not good enough. God doesn't want to talk to me. And that's the enemy lying in our ears, isn't it? He's whispering and he's going, remember what you did yesterday. You shouldn't be able to connect with God. He doesn't want to talk to you. What does it say right here? For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man, the man, Christ Jesus. And he's made this way for us. Isn't that great? Here's the last thing, uh, the when. So we got the what, the who, the why, the where, the when. Um, uh, Alana was writing these down. She always copies the message before we start and the message notes. He goes, Dad, they're all W's. <laughs> I said, yeah, I try to do that sometimes. Helps us remember. <laughs> Helps me remember uh, what we're talking about. So the when, and uh, this is the last couple of verses. It says in uh, verse 6, uh, who, <clears throat> who has given himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So what did Jesus do? At the right time, the scripture tells us this was thousands of years ago. Right? And Jesus came, he lived this in this life, he died on the cross for us, and he gave us this ransom. And who is it for? It's for all people too. So lest we think that, you know, we're like, oh, my coworker, my friend, like I know God said he has a desire for all people to be saved and to come into that relationship with him. So just if we were confused, he says, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. What does God do? And I love these, these elements. Um, and we see them all the time in movies. We just miss them. Um, if you remember the Lord of the Rings series, uh, there is an interaction between uh, Frodo, one of the main characters, and Gandalf, the wizard. And uh, Gandalf, he comes in at the beginning of the first film, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, I believe it is. Um, he comes into the Shire. This is where all the hobbits live, right? There's all their little tiny houses and, you know, 
we, circular doors and windows and stuff. And so he's, Gandalf's coming into the Shire, and uh, Frodo meets him, not with the greatest greeting. And he, he basically tells him, Gandalf, you're late. You're late to the get-together. You're late to the party. And here's what Gandalf says. I love this. A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he, mean, he means to. And I think for all of us in the room, um, more than likely, if you had to share your story about how you came to know God, you probably would have said it was at the right time. It was at just the right time that I needed to know God. And my guess is he probably met you in a time of great difficulty, maybe a time of great question as a kid. I know that was the way it happened for me. Now, on the road to a funeral, where am I going to be when I die? And that's one of the most important questions you can ask. Um, I've been talking a lot more uh, with Alana about these things. Um, she asked me a question last night. I always love how kids ask you really tough questions. <laughs> Sometimes questions you don't want to answer. And um, as part of my volunteering with the fire department, so uh, there'll be a noise, right? Uh, a fire pager that goes off, and then I'll have to leave really quickly, and that can be difficult for kids to understand. And so we have a lot of conversations about that. And so um, this week's been particularly difficult. Um, just a lot of things going on, um, fires and car accidents and things. And, and so I came back last night, and we were talking about that, and she asked me this question. She said, Dad, if you don't make it, what happens to that person? And uh, I, I said, what are you asking? And uh, would that person die? And I said, well, maybe. That might happen. But the more important question is, what happens after you die? Uh, what happens when you meet God face to face? You're going to have to stand before him. And there's this important question that we need to answer. What will, I mean, did we pursue God in this life? We have the what, the who, the why, the where, the when. When does God meet us? Well, he makes it available to us always. And this isn't a secret. It's not like we have to you know, wonder, is God there? He's always there. But the more important question for us is, where are we going to go? When Paul was talking to the church, he's, you know, he's being serious. He's, he's going like, this is a serious thing. If you're going to know the God of the universe, it's kind of like what Matt talked about today in the quiet time. Like, either you do or you don't, okay? Um, and so I, I don't like to have, like, the, the difficult kind of conversations where, you know, where we go, either you're, you're saved or you're not. Because I know there's times of struggle, but we either pursue God or we don't. And when Paul was writing that letter to the church in Rome, as Matt shared with us today, there was this element of seriousness, and Paul didn't beat around the bush, and in a time where there was great persecution, he, he said this for a reason. Either you know or you don't. Either you're following God or you don't. And we have the specific purpose that we've been set aside for. And the what, the who, the why, the where of prayer, and the when. I was praying about this this morning, and God gave me another one, which I'm just like, God, six fill in the blanks. Like, <laughs> let's not do that. Um, but he gave me another one. So if you look to verse 7, you can just write this down, the purpose of prayer talked a lot about purpose recently. I've heard people mentioning that in the last several weeks. What is our purpose? Well, Paul says here in verse 7, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So what is our purpose? What have we been appointed for? Um, I, as I look across the room and I think about those that are online, maybe not here today, we, we spread across a wide variety of areas and purposes in our lives. Um, we have vocational purposes. We have family purposes. We have hobby purposes. We have various things that drive who we are and what we do. And as I was thinking about this in prayer, um, this is one space that we're all united in because we may be a teacher. 
maybe a doctor or a nurse, maybe a physical therapist, maybe a farmer. You may help run a hospital. You may be retired police. And I know we have all kinds of people in our community um, that come from a number of different places. The kind of the, the, we have this definition for who we are. And Paul says what he was appointed for, a preacher and an apostle. And I'm telling you the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Paul's going, this is what I was set aside for, but, but what's the purpose for all of us? And I would really encourage you to think about that in prayer. I think at times we, uh, we think that prayer is not as important. But I can, <laughs> I can guarantee you in my life, the things that have been the most important, the most noteworthy, the direction that God has given has always been in prayer. And I think back to um, the time when we were praying over coming to this church. And <clears throat> I was having conversations um, with search committee and all that. One of my first conversations was with Matt. Um, and uh, there was a lot of prayer that was going on. Um, I was doing student ministry at the time. Uh, my wife and I, and, and we were in a big church, and we loved the kids, all the kids that were coming through our ministry. Um, and I had to just continually ask God, I'm like, God, do you want us to make a change? Because I don't want this to be about anything else other than what you want. Um, so the question is, what is the purpose? I mean, why do we do what we do? We have that here, the what, the who, the why, the where, the when, and the purpose in prayer. Sorry, that one wasn't a W. Um, we have the purpose um, I think God shows up, too, in this time for us, in this um, season. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a difficulty that's going on right now, and you don't know what the answer is to it. Uh, maybe you have this, like, open-ended issue um, that's going on. You've just been praying about it, and you're like, God, I need the answer. Maybe it's been months and years, and you're still praying about that. I would encourage you to continue to do that. Um, sometimes God gives us those quick answers. Sometimes there's ones that take years to figure out. And sometimes we just go, God, I'm still praying. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that direction is yet. But I can promise you that he always meets you in the midst of that. And he shows up at the right time too, the times that we need. And so I want to close with this, just a, a prayer for you. Um, I had a video, but what I want to do is just uh, pray for you as church family, talking about prayer. Um, so that's what I'd like to do. And as we think about this, um, there's a lot of things that we can pursue in life. There's a lot of things we can spend our time on. I would just encourage, if you don't do anything else this week um, from this message, Humor me. Um, take the opportunity. Ask yourselves the question, um, what is the what of prayer? Uh, what is the who of prayer? Uh, what is the why? Why do we do it? Um, what's the where for you? What's the location of prayer? Um, find that place that you can do that. Know who you're talking to. Um, and what's the when? Well, we know God's made that way for us. So it doesn't matter when it is. We can connect with him. And he's given us a great purpose. I'm in prayer, this ability to connect with him and know who we are. We have these questions. I'm constantly asked this question especially by young people. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I know who has the answer, right? And I've been doing that for years. Teenagers asking me, what am I supposed to do? Why don't you ask the Lord? Well, it'd be easier if you could tell me. Why don't you talk to him? And then you tell me, here's the beauty of this relationship that we have with God. Any one of us can go to him and we can get those answers, can't we? Let me pray for you. Father, we uh, thank you. We come to you in thankfulness. Um, God, it's interesting as we think about the concepts that you've given us um, in your word about prayer. As Paul talks to the church in Ephesus and to Timothy, um, we know that uh, you gave him these things, um, the what, what does prayer look like? Um, who do we pray for, God? I pray that you'd really change our hearts and our perspective. Sometimes, God, there's people that we don't even want to pray for. Like when we sit down before you, there's people that you put in our minds 
And God, we say no thank you. Um, I just pray this morning that we would um, be obedient. Uh, maybe pray for the person that we don't want to today, tomorrow, this week. Um, and God, really ask ourselves, like, why do we pray? Why do we come before you? I hope that we would get more serious about that. Um, I pray you'd allow me to spend more time in prayer this week. Um, when we think about where we can do this, um, God, you know, you've given us the ability to do it anywhere. Um, we thank you for that. Um, I pray that we would understand that better this week. And in the win, um, God, thank you that you've made a way that we can access you at any time. For any reason, you're there listening to us like a father that wants to hear his kids. Um, God, and thank you that you've given us a great purpose. Um, maybe we know what it is in life right now, but God, more than anything, our purpose is to belong to you and to seek you out, God, to make uh, much of you. And I pray that we would do that this week. And that's your name we pray. Amen. I uh, love you, church. Have a wonderful week. And uh, I'm going to be in contact with those who are um, not doing well or sick and uh, continue to pray for those in our church family. Okay? I uh, love you. And then in about 10 minutes, we'll have a meeting upstairs for our trustees. Okay?